Welcome to the Deep Light Podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. This is a space for community, healing, hope, and education around topics of rescue and growth. Our prayer for this series is that it illuminates a deeper understanding of struggles within and around us, as well as God's profound love and redemptive light in Jesus Christ. Hi, my name is Mark Davis. I serve as one of the pastors of Park City's Presbyterian Church, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Deep Light. Here in the summer of 2022, uh, we're doing a focus on rest and, and solitude and prayer. And what does it look like to change our rhythms? Um, when we're in the middle of a summer, sometimes there's a new change in rhythm. Uh, sometimes that's true for families and individuals as well. But maybe your routine doesn't change that much, but just because the season changes, you have a chance to maybe think about some things different. And as we do this, as always, you can reach out to us at deeplight at pcpc.org for anything you'd like to talk about, any question. We'd love to be able to walk alongside you. Today, as we take on the topic, we're going to turn the table just a little bit. Instead of me being the primary one asking questions, I am going to have somebody ask me questions. But the format's essentially the same. Um, We do not have a long list of questions that we have already rehearsed. Uh, We want this to feel like a conversation that you're eavesdropping on, and hopefully the Lord will bless it as we talk about these things. So John Paul Schultz serves here at PCPC. John Paul, how long have you been at PCPC? Uh, Nine years this summer. Nine years this summer. And tell us what your role is. So I get to serve with young adults, uh, singles, young marrieds, 20s and 30s. All right. Yeah. When I thought about this topic um, and thought about what I'd like to share, it could have been me just talking to the camera, which would have been really boring. So I thought of you. I thought, I love the way you ask questions. I love the way you interview people. So I thought we would go this direction. Did it have anything to do with the gray hair? He does have gray hair, premature gray hair, yeah. uh, but not as premature as mine was. So if, if you're watching, you can see two gray-headed men. Um, I was grayer than him at, how old are you now? 40. Yeah, ooh, 40. Yeah. So I'm 15 years older, and I turned gray at 18. How about you? Mm, I think my mom has a strand of hair maybe at 17. Your mom? Yeah, she wanted your own, to document your, my oh, strand of sorry, hair. I yeah, wasn't yeah, really yeah. following your logic yeah. there. Don't worry, he's still going to do a good job asking questions. <laughs> um, this is going to be two parts. The first part is going to center on why do we need rest? Why do we fight against rest? Moving into how can we begin to practice it? And the second part is going to be focused on a particular spiritual discipline of prayer and specifically journaling as a way of praying. So are you ready to go? I'm ready. All uh, right. So you ready? I'm ready. We're flipping it. I'm even sitting on the opposite side that I normally sit on. So you. Yeah. So Mark, so lead. when you told me to uh, think about rest and, and what that looks like, I was honored because I know the last nine years, it has meant so much uh, for you to share with the people um, the impact of solitude, silence, and resting with the Lord. And so when you asked me to be asking you questions, I wanted to ask you the first one. Um, when did that become a priority in your life? Rest. That's a great question. I was not yet in Dallas. We've been in Dallas since uh, January of 03. And um, I graduated seminary. I went to Covenant Theological Seminary and was serving in a great church there. But I just began to read um, a little bit more broadly in terms of spiritual disciplines and realized that my life is really moving at a pace that's not sustainable. Um, It seems like it's for good things, but even good things can become an enemy of the great. I think I was already kind of forming habits of workaholism. Um, I was very driven. uh, And I was more than anything conforming to the pattern of the world, even that pattern which existed in the church, which really affirmed busyness. It really affirmed 
um, just constantly running the race fast. And um, I began to realize I'm dry, you know, that mm. my time with Jesus is not as sweet. It's not as intimate. And there, frankly, there just isn't much time. My mind races so quickly. So I began to read uh, people that seem to practice more of a contemplative life, um, really understood how to pray, how to set aside time to pray. But more than that, I just went to scriptures to see what God's word said hmm. about rest, really from the very beginning in Genesis, but all the way through the priority that Jesus gave to rest and being alone with the Lord. So I would say probably, you know, 22, 23 years ago wow. is when it really began to become, I became aware of the necessity, I would say it that way, that I wow. needed to implement this spiritual discipline in my life. So as you're going through God's word and, and, and trying to unpack what does rest mean for you know, God's people, but specifically for you, you saw it as more of a really intimate, personal thing that you needed for yourself in the midst of the crazy, busy, pre-iPhone age even. Um, you felt that need to say, I need to rest. What does this look like for me? And, and what does God say about it in his word? Yeah, I think, I mean, we have an enemy who roams around, as God's word says, like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. So, so how does he do that? Well, one of the first things he wants to do is take the word of God out of our life. Right. And so he tries to do that by what we believe about it. Well, we hold the word of God high. We believe that it is truly his spoken word. All scriptures God breathed and is useful. Think about that for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Yeah. So when you go through scripture from Genesis to the end of Revelation, all of it is his God breathed word. It's for us and it's for our benefit always. And so when you see in the days of creation, even at the end, God rested. Right. And then he set a pattern of rest to us. We have an enemy that wants to cause us not to believe that's good for us or not to believe that that's still part of the life that we should be living. So he wants to take the word of God out of our life there. What that means is when we don't set aside time to obey um, God's word, it's not going to be good for us. Right. There's going to be a detriment. And I think over time, the church certainly has conformed to the pattern of the world where it's just as busy as any other part of the world and in ways that are not helpful, not healthy. Right. I mean, you always say to us, I mean, it's in God's word, and you, you say it often, the first question that was asked by Satan was, did God really say? Yeah. And that's attacking God's word and saying, do we really believe what he's saying is to be true? And so constantly going back to scripture saying, what does rest really mean for me? Um, it's encouraging. But what, what you mentioned some authors and some people. What were some people that you actually felt were helping you in this 20 plus year, uh, year journey? Yeah, there, there were a number one going all the way back to even reading uh, the reformers, Luther, Calvin, and about their devotional practices, you begin to see just the amount of time that they spent in prayer. And obviously it was a very different time in regards to what the world was like. There wasn't even electricity, you know? I mean, there's, so there were a lot of different dynamics. But when I go to read current authors or authors that have written in the last 100 years even, um, there aren't very many that have written about this kind of contemplative life of mm -hmm. really, they might write really well about kind of the idea of the Sabbath, but in terms of the practical application of being still, being quiet, prayer, those kinds of things, there wasn't as much. So I came across Brendan Manning, mm -hmm. um, read Abba's Child. Yeah. A lot of people read his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel first. I didn't, I read Abba's Child first, and it was a book that really changed my life. Um, as he talked about the identity of being the beloved child of the living God, mm -hmm. Abba's child, um, the intimacy that we could have with God. 
then I would read people that he referenced. And you're not going to necessarily agree with all of these individuals, right, right. but we believe all truth is God's truth. So you can extract things from these authors. That's very helpful. Henry Nouwen yeah. in his book, the way of um, the heart. For me, it was a book called Here and Now, mm. actually, which was most profound. And then I read the other things like The Prodigal Son and The Way of the Heart and most of the other things he's written. And again, some of it, I'm like, I don't know if that's said that well or if it's even true. But a lot of the things that he talks about really are practices. Then um, Richard Foster and some of the works that he had done and Ken Geyer, who was a DTS graduate. These books really began to open up my heart and mind to, to different rhythms. Yeah. How can you be still and uh, know that there is, that he is God. So our lights just kind of dimmed. And, yeah, we were and, really experiencing deep light. If you watch the video, it's going to... Really, yeah. It was pretty cool, wasn't it? Was really it? Cool. it was a very deep moment. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the idea of I need to begin to practice these, these things in my life. Yeah. And for those that don't know me, um, if anybody, if I can do it, anybody can do it because mm. I have a very hyperactive mind and a very hyperactive body, a lot of energy that's hard to control. So the idea of just sitting still and, you know, mm. reading one verse or one passage and meditating on it over and over again, that sounded like, this sounded horrible. Yeah. Um, that I'm, I'm going to literally go crazy. Yeah. Because, um, so, I, mean, I mean, how long do you do it for? I mean, because, I mean, it's almost like working out, right? The muscle has to be exercise and if you've never done that i mean five minutes could sound feel like an eternity yeah and i think that's where you have to start you know when i was in my mid-20s early 20s and i was already working for a church staff i remember reading about martin luther's prayer life and thinking i want to have a prayer life like that mm. and i tried i tried to set my alarm early i tried <laughs> to get up early and i never could and part of it was i was being motivated by the wrong things i think probably mainly mm. pride i wasn't really desperate for the lord i wasn't I wasn't desperate for the kind of time I needed to be spending with him. So it really was, I mean, I was doing what I knew to do, read passages, exegete scripture, plan lessons to teach, those kinds of things. But in terms of really praying and praying bold prayers, earnest prayers, being engaged in deep intercession, I didn't know how to do it. And I was trying in my own strength. And so what flipped for me was when I realized I couldn't do it. I think of Psalm 119, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Mm -hmm. So the way that works is God enlarge my heart that I might run in the way of your commandments. Yeah. And he's going to be faithful to his promise where Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So I began to pray, Lord, would you give me the appetite for this? Will you give my mind a calmness? Will you give my, um, my physical body, uh, the ability to be still? Cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really active and he did. Hmm. Um, and it didn't happen all at once. I mean, you know, if you're listening or watching, if you even just after hearing this went and sat still and tried to sit still for five right. minutes, you would realize how hard it is. But if you do it with God, you ask for God's help, you're going to grow. There's going to be times. And that's where you have to start. You know, I was reading about Martin Luther praying for four hours before he did anything else. He would yeah. say that was the most important four hours of his day. Hmm. Well, you don't, you don't just start by waking up at five in the morning and praying till nine and then going about your day. You start in small doses, right. small bites, but all of it has to be with God. Right. Um, even if you're praying longer and longer periods of time, right. it has to be with Him, with His power, right. not your own. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you, um, as, as you, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes specifically, this is not a natural thing, is what you're trying to say. This is a Holy Spirit, this is a God-dependent 
uh, attitude and just reality that you have to just sur- surrender to him in that time that you want to rest and ask him to help you. And that's what you said you've been doing for two decades now. And I'm guessing it's gotten maybe not easier, but um, the times and the length of time you can do it has maybe grown, I'm guessing. And you probably want to do that more sometimes than actually do some of the other things you do. Well, it's, it's true. There's, there's muscle memory, so to speak. There's muscle that develops and you can do it. Um, You like I've already said, you don't start out by, okay, I'm going to go try Mm -hmm. to be quiet for an hour. Um, you do small chunks at a time and some people definitely are more hardwired for it, their temperament, um, or maybe just their maturity right. and able to control mind and their body. But for the most part, most of us are so addicted to noise and activity that even when we decide to set aside time, um, physically like, okay, I'm going to set aside 30 minutes and I'm going to go be quiet. I'm going to find a place where nobody's going to interrupt me. I'm going to leave my phone somewhere else. Once we get all the external distractions away, then the internal noise yes. gets really loud. And that's what becomes so problematic is like the external noise is one thing. Right. Like I have bow cancellation, noise cancellation headphones. Right. So I've got earbuds that'll do the same thing. But once all those apparatuses are helping me, I still have the interior to deal with, yes. which is loud. It's very loud. Yeah. And, and, and no, uh, no noise canceling headphone will fix that. And, and I know we're going to talk a little bit later, maybe about practices on how yeah. we can actually, um, fight against the noise inside our own mind. Right. And the um, second part. And the second part, which would be great. Um, but I'd love to talk about, you know, what we see in scripture and maybe a story that Jesus, um, is a part of yeah. where it talks about, um, one person wanting to rest and be at the feet of Jesus and one person saying, no, I'm just gonna be really busy. Um, I, I know uh, there's a quote that Corey Ten Boone, she, uh, she says, if, if Satan is not going to uh, make you sin, uh, he's gonna make you busy. He's gonna mm-hmm. make you be rushed and in a hurry. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think there's a reality that, you know, rest is something that's nece- necessary for us. And so it, is there somewhere that we can probably talk to, I mean, I think of Mary and Martha yeah, as an example. Yeah, right here, you know, I, I thought we might talk about that, and I'm gonna. Can I, I'm just gonna read the story. It's very short, but I think for those watching, listening, uh, it's just an incredible story. It says, "Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha, their sisters, Martha welcomed him into her house. So she's got the gift of hospitality. She's obviously willing to have Christ there, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching." But Martha was distracted with much serving. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's great language. Distracted yep. with much serving, and we would call serving good. So she's distracted by a good thing, but this good thing's keeping her from the great. So Martha is distracted by much serving, and she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. So here's an example. Jesus is saying one thing is necessary. Do we believe him? Mm-hmm. Do we believe that right now, as he says, one thing is necessary, that he's right? Um, again, the enemy wants to take this word out of our life. Mm-hmm. So he says one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Yeah, uh, It's one of my favorite verses because in it, you see the intimacy that our Savior has with people. He has a very intimate relationship with both these sisters um, he raises Lazarus, their brother, from the dead. Um, Martha and Mary both are his beloved. They both have gifts. They both have, um, I think, a desire to please him. So they invite them into her home, their home. Martha is the host, 
and she's doing everything that's necessary hmm. to make Jesus feel comfortable, to feel welcome, to feel honored. And that's not a bad thing. Right. That, is, that takes up a lot of time and energy. However, bitterness sets in, and she's looking at her sister, which, what do you think she's thinking of her sister? <laughs> Probably like, you are lazy, yeah. and you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, you're selfish, you're lazy, you're not doing the things that you should be doing, you're leaving it all to me. So bitterness comes in, and you could tell by the way she talks about her sister, mm-hmm. and about the way she talks to Jesus. I mean, yeah. She's direct to Jesus, tell her, tell her to get up and start serving. Essentially, that's what she's saying. But Christ, he knows what's going on, and as he's teaching, he sees Mary who's hanging on every word. Mm -hmm. And so what happened? What's the difference? Well, we always do what makes sense to us. Yeah. All of us. In every moment, we make a choice because that's what makes sense to us in a moment. That's true even when we choose sin. So in this case, when Jesus enters into their house and is teaching, Mary is like, I'm not going to miss this. What makes most sense to me is to sit at the feet of the Messiah. Martha, what makes sense to her is to work, to serve him. And then she becomes bitter because that makes sense to her. This woman, my sister, should be helping me, and she's not. There's a lot to unpack there. But what Jesus is honoring is that in this moment, working for Christ, being busy for Christ, distracted by much good for Christ, is not as important as sitting at his feet. Yes. Now, the pattern of the world is Martha. The pattern of the world in the church is Martha. So why do you think that is? Hmm. Satan loves, back to your quote from Corrie Ten Boom, Satan loves to keep us busy. Yeah. Busy, busy, busy. Um, because that keeps the mind busy. And what happens is then we hear truth, but we hear it in bites very quickly, and we treat it like paint, paint the fence, as opposed yep. to stain, as C.S. Lewis would say, that soaks right through. Right. Stain takes time, takes meditation. Mary is meditating. She's at the feet of Jesus. Jesus knows that's what's most important. And so he takes this moment to to really give instruction about what matters most. And then he modeled it in his own life. But I'll, I'll stop. Maybe you have a question about Yeah, that. I mean, I think about, you know, we're all different, right? Like, mm-hmm. so we all have more of a bent towards a Mary or more of a bent towards mm-hmm. a Martha. But if we're try, trying to talk about resting and sitting at the feet of Jesus, and that's what our goal is for every Christian is to sit at the feet of Jesus, um, why? What is the good portion that Jesus is talking about? Yeah. Like what is the one thing that, 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 that cannot be taken away from her? Yeah. Which I would, I would guess, meaning there's a lot of things over here that can be taken away. And I just would love to hear, what does that, what does that mean? Yeah, I think it's great language that, that Jesus uses. Um, first of all, he says, Martha, Martha. Hmm. I love that he says her name twice. You are anxious and troubled by many things. So... How many of us today are troubled by many things? How many of us would just say that the majority of my days are consumed with anxiety? I'm anxious the moment I wake up because my phone tells me I'm already behind Mm -hmm. or all these emails I need to respond to or all these people that are waiting on me. And so immediately our focus is not on sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's on sitting at the feet of every other person that is somehow able to reach us. And we feel like that's what's most important. Well, we need to ask why. Because we're more concerned with what other people think about us than we are about what Christ thinks. Mary is not. Mary is concerned with what Christ thinks. Mary, frankly, in this moment, doesn't really care what her sister thinks. She's fixated on what Christ thinks, and therefore she's sitting at the feet. If we cared more about what God thought, 
than what other people think, then we would have a much easier time moving into that posture of, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, you mentioned the phrase, which I thought you'd say it, which is lazy. You know, that's part of what's also in our culture, is that we feel like being still, listening, um, is passive. It's, it's, right. it's laziness. Well, I dare you right. to try and be quiet and bring a rhythm into your life. And then after that, call it lazy. It is hard work. It's much, much easier for me to fill my days meeting with people than it is to take a whole day and then a series of days oh, yeah. and be absolutely quiet. It's hard, hard work. But that's where you become really dependent upon the Lord. So the good portion that Jesus is talking about is himself. It's She's at the feet, which symbolizes the, the abiding relationship mm-hmm. with Christ. She has chosen the better portion. While Mary is preparing food and cooking food, sorry, while Martha is preparing food and cooking food, Mary's eating food. Right. And that portion which she's given from him is eternal. The physical food is going to pass. She's going to need more physical food, so will she later. But the spiritual food that she's receiving, it lasts. The yeah. Word of God never goes out void. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel, um, and, I, and I don't, we may talk about this later, but the ways that even our church try to create these rhythms through these silent retreats where we get away and spend multiple days together. I have been here for nine years and I did not want to even consider going on one yeah. because I was so afraid of a few things. One, what would people think of me? That's really your job. That's really work. You're mm-hmm. going to leave your family and your, your job to go be quiet mm-hmm. and take your book and your Bible and your journal. And, and then two, I was afraid, what is God going to say to me? Yeah. You know, what is Jesus going to, show me. And, and I wonder if for Christians, um, if there's a fear of not wanting to rest because you're afraid of what Jesus might show you. Yeah. And that says a lot about how we view God, you know, and um, I've done enough silent retreats to know and talk to enough people who've been on that the main thing that they hear at, during the retreat and at the end of the retreat, what they testify to is, I heard how much God yes. loves me. I, I had no idea how much he loved me. Well, even when he disciplines us or he confronts a part of our life that's not in line with who he's called us to be, that's love, you know, and he does it with grace and gentleness and persistence because he loves us so much. He disciplines us perfectly. But there is definitely a fear of, well, if I give God that much time mm-hmm. and space, you know, he might call me to go somewhere I don't want to go, mm-hmm. or he might tell me I'm not supposed to be consumed with this, or he might tell me I'm spending too much money on this, or he might, he might want more of me than I'm willing to give. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, why are you thinking that? Mm-hmm. Once again, you are the God of your life. You were thinking you know what's better for your life. You were thinking, if, if I'm in control of my life, I know this is what I need. Yeah. So I'm only willing to give God a portion of my life because you don't trust him for the good portion of all. Right. And that's part of what happens in that battle is when we get to a place of, all right, it cannot be a bad thing for me to sit at the feet of the Savior for an extended period of time. When we get to that place of it cannot be a bad thing, which it can't, um, he is, his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And we begin to hear his voice through his word and spirit. It's going to be to your benefit. It's going yes. to be to your blessing, even if it is something that he's calling you to surrender or to give away. It will not be to cause your life to be less rich, less full, less blessed. Right. Now, it might imply or you know, incur suffering. Uh, that certainly is part of God's way. But 
that that will probably come anyway. Right. So and he's going to give you the ability to get through it. Absolutely. And, and the promises are true, and he'll he'll help you through. You know, I'll I'll give that plug because I finally got to go on the silent retreat in mm-hmm. November, and we're gonna I think do another one here in the fall. Uh, and and the Lord really met me there, and He showed me something that was an idol for me, which is failure. And Psalm seventy three just stuck out, where it says. Um, God, uh, my heart and my flesh will fail. I mean, it's going to fail, but God is the rock of my heart and my portion yeah. forever. And so going back to this idea that Mary has the good portion, God is my portion mm-hmm. and I'm going to fail and it's going to happen in every aspect of my life. But if I am going to, if I'm standing on the rock and when I was in Colorado, that's what I was experiencing and seeing and getting to rest with him. I, I got to see that reality come true that I was on a rock. He is my rock. He is my portion. Um, are there things that you, I guess, um, in your journey now with family and kids being older, mm-hmm. um, in, in just different seasons of life, has rest, um, been harder to fight for than it did at the very beginning of, of the journey? Yeah, that's a great question. And this gives us a chance to talk about how seasons of life change for all of us and we have to adjust, but the threshold questions don't change. The threshold gotcha. desires don't change. So let's not start with what we desire, but what God desires. So God has made us to be in a relationship with him, to be in intimacy with him. That's what he's, he's designed us for. So we want to live according to what his desires are, because it's always going to be to our blessing and our benefit. So when we had no children, you know, we had a lot of time. Mm-hmm. We didn't think, we still thought we were busy, but we weren't busy. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't. We didn't know what busy was. All of a sudden now we have little ones and they're growing up and sleep is now less and all sorts of things are happening to us physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. But the threshold question and the threshold desire of God, it's still the same. So do you want to spend time alone with God? Do you want to sit at the feet of Mary? If the answer is yes, yeah. I hope and pray it is, then when that happens, you begin to hear the Lord through his word and spirit, provide the way. But it might look different. A young mom who doesn't have the same amount of time she had before she was a mother has to adjust the way she used to think about probably her Bible study, her quiet time, or her stillness, you know, sitting at the feet of Jesus. But that doesn't mean it has to completely go away. You make adjustments. And one of the best things you can do is ask other moms, yeah. how did you do it when you had you know, an infant or more than one? Um, or your job changes and all of a sudden, like, I can't, I just don't have as much personal time. I'm working 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week or whatever it is. I just don't have as much time. Well, you can change, as the Lord leads you, the different rhythms of your life. Right. But the thing you want to pay attention to is their desire. So if the desire is not there, do you have the desire to desire? Well, that's fruitfulness. Mm-hmm. You ask God to give that to you. Then ask God to show you, how would you like me to spend time? And some of the ways, you know, I would say over the last 50 years, probably longer than that, maybe close to 100, that we've thought about time alone with the Lord has been under the idea of quiet time. Correct. Like there's a 20-minute quiet time. Most people come to faith. This is what it's supposed to look like. You're supposed to do these things. That's not biblical. In other words, it, there's nowhere in here where it says 20 minutes. It doesn't say you know, an hour, it doesn't say two hours. It doesn't give us that kind of, those kind of parameters. And I think there's wisdom in that it doesn't. Basically, it says, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Mm. Meditate on it day and night. Mm. So meditate on it means to chew on it, to keep it going over and over in your heart and mind. Like Psalm 73 and that idea of rock and all the things that the Lord was teaching you there. Those things give us the, um, 
the power of the word in our life. Do not let this book of law depart from us. Meditate out day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and mm. successful. So God's word is always going to lead to this prospering, to godly success. Now, that doesn't mean riches. It's not the wealth health gospel, yeah. but it does mean the abiding relationship with God. So how do you do that? Well, it might mean that you don't have the kind of time you once did to prepare for you know, Bible study fellowship or right. Bible study here at the church or something like that with lots of homework. But what it does mean is that I've got to find ways to chew on the word all day. So right. while I'm walking my baby in a stroller, um, while I'm on a plane moving from one meeting to the next, while I'm in my car moving, from, turn music off, put your phone away, just let small portions of scripture begin to be something that you meditate on, on. when you're changing a diaper, when you're disciplining a child, um, when you are cooking dinner, you know, or going to get dinner, whatever it is, small doses in these times can happen. But another thing you could do is begin to set up, maybe this isn't something that happens every day as it once did, but you pick a day a week or a few hours a week or a few hours a month, something like that where you can begin to have maybe a smaller amount of time and frequency but a longer amount of time and duration right. in that event where you really are soaking in the word that way. Right. So things can change that way. Yeah, I feel like um, people have to be willing to change and make mm -hmm. it intentional. And if you if you have a problem with um, always having to flex and make adjustments, then this is probably going to be hard for you because our lives are ever-changing and right. seasons are always changing. And so how would you encourage, I guess, someone who is just like, man, I, I want to do it a certain way and keep it that way. And, and if I don't do that, it won't happen. How would you encourage someone to be just to be able to say, no, you have to be okay with making these incremental moments happen or making it intentional in, in a week time to do it for like an hour? I mean, I'm sure you've had many discussions with people yeah, about that. You know, we can make an idol out of anything, even a formula or a paradigm for how to spend time alone with the Lord. And if that becomes an idol and you're not able to do that, well, that affects your intimacy with the Lord. That affects your ability to sit at his feet. Um, I would say two things. One, whatever rhythm you have or have had that you enjoyed is probably not going to be completely flushed if certain parts of life change. Right. I, for, I mean, I, I, this month, I will celebrate being a Christian for 40 years. Hmm. It's hard to believe. So as long as you've been alive, hmm. um, I've been a believer, second birth, right? John uh, 316, I love it. I was taught the acronym that many people know, ACTS, Adoration, mm -hmm. Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. I will be honest, that hasn't changed much in 40 years. Hmm. Even when I'm on silent retreats, I use that same paradigm all day long. Now, when I do it, that has changed. Right. It used to be I wasn't a morning person, so I might do it mid-morning or even at night. I don't do it at night now. I would never get past adoration. <laughs> um, and it's not because I'm going on a long list. Yeah, I right. fall asleep. Right. But I get early now, and yeah. I go back, I start. And in the next segment, we'll talk about journaling. I start with adoration, then season of confession, Thanksgiving supplication. Then I kind of start over, and I just continue to move through that. So you can take things that you've always enjoyed right. and perhaps transition them into a different setting or a different time place. But I think you're right. There, there are times when we just need certain changes to help stimulate yes. growth. Yes. And um, sometimes I'll even use a different Bible. 
um, mm. or a different translation. Sometimes I'll use a different translation for personal devotional study and um, what I'm preaching. And we use the ESV in our pulpit, uh, you know, in our pews. So I always exegete that translation. But I'm often using a different translation for my own devotional walk just to keep it a little bit fresh and understanding. And that could be the New Living Translation. It could be the New American Standard. Occasionally, I even go and do the King James for a little while. Oh, no. Just to change the way I'm hearing the words. Right. Sometimes I'll listen to it read in the car, especially. I love doing that with all that Bible apps we have, listening to it being read. Sometimes I'll listen to it being read while reading it, not while I'm driving. Right. But I do that because it's great to have two different sources. God, Mark, you have me thinking so much because I think um, people see, uh, people may be confused, and you're making it very clear. When we're saying rest, we are resting with the Lord in His Word. Mm-hmm. We are not just taking a nap necessarily or um, just praying whatever we want to pray. Mm-hmm. We are actually immersing ourselves into his word and believing that what what we are reading and what we're meditating on we're chewing on is going to shape us and change us and it's going to give us the good portion it's going to be what jesus promised mary um is that what i'm hearing you say is that that when we're trying to rest Mm -hmm. god's word has to be with us i think god's word is central to all of it but this is an important point we can actually use God's word against resting. In other words, when we do silent retreats or people have an extended time, they can actually become really busy with God's word Hmm. and not rest. So resting, when I use that phrase, I'm talking about a couple things. One is a submission. Like I'm going to submit myself to the Lord. I'm going to rest in the promises of God. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. That is about surrendering. It's actually a military phrase. It means you drop your weapons. So I'm going to practice resting in the word of God. I'm going to rest in who he says I'm going to rest at his feet. That doesn't mean I'm sleeping, but it might. Right. Some people do not. And in fact, I'd say most people do not get enough sleep. And so when you add to this idea of, of a Sabbath, mm-hmm. where we should take the Sabbath more seriously in terms of what we do, we could easily make the Sabbath still very busy with religious things right. and not get rest. So I'm talking about a rest where we're really setting aside time and space. And it would be great to do it for a full day if you could. Sunday would be a great day right. for people to do it. We've conformed to the pattern of the world right. for sure. Where we really are surrendering to the Lord all that is His and recognizing that this is a day that's set apart. It's different. It is a day of rest. And it might include a nap. It might include recreation with your family on a hike or throwing the football or whatever. It might include, you know, certainly spending extra time in scriptures, etc. So we want to be careful not to use the Bible in some ways against itself, like becoming so busy with it that we're not really soaking in it. Because that's not what meditation is. You know, we're blessed to have all of God's word in print. I mean, praise God that we do. But the majority of time in which God's people have followed him, they did not have the full canon in mm-hmm. print and in all these different translations and all these different languages, you know, right. we do. And that is an amazing blessing. But at the same time, they may have had an easier time meditating right. on the portions that they had heard, that they did see. Their ability to hear and listen and chew on things was probably better than ours. So what we want to do is re- recognize it's not a race to read through really good. every day. It's not a race to try to get from cover to cover and then start over in your one-year Bible reading plan. I love those plans, but we can become a slave to those plans as well. Um, I've done so many of them. Some have been great blessings. Some 
it hasn't been as good of a blessing. It wasn't the plan's fault, just how I was interacting with it. But the real issue is always, am I still going back to meditating on the word, resting in the word, listening to the word, praying the word, and all of that requires time. Well, thinking about, um, I heard you say idolatry. I heard Mm -hmm. you say some things about um, even reading God's word can sometimes be um, done for the wrong reasons. And so um, when it comes to rest, I I read a book recently by John Mark Comer, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Hurry. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. I think it's a disciple, a disciple of Dallas Willard. And he um, talked about kind of how to use his Sabbath rest. And one of the things he talked about was not... um, making purchases that day, mm-hmm. not becoming a consumer of something mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not going to consume anything other than God's word. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy anything. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I wonder, are there things like that in, in the ways that we worship, um, mm-hmm. idolatries of other things, if we would remove those for something like buying something mm-hmm. from our lives for a day, would there be a type of rest that comes from that? There could be lots of patterns that we would change, and that's part of the challenge is we don't change patterns very often. There's, for most believers, other than going to worship on a Sunday morning, the rest of their Sunday doesn't look any different than any other day, and it really should. And I'm not talking about the theology of the Sabbath being a very strict, this is the only things you could do. That could be another podcast. This is more practical in this setting. But the reality is we would benefit greatly by a day that looked radically different than, and when I use the word radical, it's the original meaning, which was at the core. Mm -hmm. So at its core, it would look radically different than the rest of our week for the benefit of our own health, personally, in our family, et cetera. And that dynamic really is important because when we... um, don't avail ourselves of that kind of time and space to experience something different. The growth doesn't come. It just doesn't. There's not room for it. And so, so many people will think of, you know, their day of worship, the Sabbath as, hey, from, you know, whatever time we get up and we go to church, we're done. That was God. Once again, the rest of it is mine. And that's just not the right way to think about any part of our life. Right. It's all of God's. And yet I know almost every person I talk to, they're, way overcommitted, overstretched, overwhelmed, and they're overwhelmed with the wrong things because they say yes to everything because they're conforming to the pattern of the world and no to very little. Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Martha was saying yes to, I'm going to be a great hostess. I'm going to serve Christ the Messiah really well. Mary was saying yes to, I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to say no to my sister. Uh, which I think took a lot of courage. Yeah. What gave her the courage? Hmm. Something greater. Being at the feet of Jesus is never going to be something that is worse for you. Right. It's going to bless you. Um, you're going to find security there. You're going to find perspective. Sometimes people are so consumed with activities, and you ask them, well, why? why? They really don't think they had a choice. I mean, everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's doing this. Yep. And that begins to show you what the idols of the life of our lives are. And I'm guilty of that too, JP, all the time. And so I have to scale back. And what helps me do that? Once again, setting aside time to say, Lord, how do you want me to think about my days? And that includes my children's schedule. It includes my wife and I, our schedule together. What I say yes to at the church Mm -hmm. or outside of the church. And we don't 
spend much time listening to the Lord on those things, suddenly we just consume them, right. and then they consume us. Well, I would love to maybe close with, with maybe something personal, if mm-hmm. you would, wouldn't mind sharing. Sure. I, uh, I know a lot of people listening are probably not a senior pastor and, and has the responsibilities that you do or the type of um, schedule that, that you have. But I think it would be an encouragement. It, would you be willing to share what does um, a rest look like for you during the week, um, maybe even currently in what it looks like in the summertime? Yeah. What, what does it look like for you to rest um, in your in your current season? So I'll cover that, and then in the next section we'll talk about some other practical things that I think can be helpful. Number one, before I was a senior pastor and when we moved to Dallas, there was a certain rhythm that had started in my life that I was encouraged by the elders of our church to maintain, held accountable to that. When I became senior pastor um, 14 years ago, that didn't change. So basically, Sunday is a pretty busy day for right, me, right? right. Um, I wake up very early, kind of get my heart and mind ready for the service. I love being a part of our worship services and preaching and or listening to other people preaching. Uh, I just love those days. Um, but, you know, by 1 o'clock, 1.30, oh, I'm yeah. pretty wiped out. Right. Um, so the rest of the day is spent with my family. We kind of do various things. Um, we don't always have these great devotionals where my children gather at my feet and say, Father, <laughs> please continue to bring the Word of God to us. Um, but we do spend a lot of time together, and there's a lot of joy, a lot of laughter. Practically for me, then, Monday is in some ways my Sabbath. It mm. is a day where outside of a session meeting at night, you know, the first and third Mondays of the month, um, I don't take appointments. Um, I don't do a lot of correspondence with email. I spend time alone with the Lord in His Word. And these are not passages of Scripture that I'm going to be preaching. So it's not preparation. It's actually it's ultimate preparation in some sense, but it's not about the technical work of moving through a text. Right. It's prayer. It's intercession. It's me being alone with the Lord. A lot of times I don't do that here at the church, in the church building or at my office. I'll go somewhere else where I know I won't be distracted. Right. This is a huge enemy to those kinds of things. So sometimes I'll you know, leave that in the car, turn email off, et cetera, just so I know that that time will not be um, consumed. And the people who help control my schedule know that it's really non-negotiable. Like that time is set aside for uh, intercession, a yeah. day of prayer. Then the mornings, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday's my day off. Friday mornings, those are study days. Those yep. are, I'm deep in exegesis or really studying and listening to the Lord. What's the application from the text you want me to apply for the sermons? Then the rest of the day is kind of spent with people, yeah. uh, which is beautiful and high and low and full of victories, but also defeats. You know, there's a whole lot of things going right. on in my heart and mind and soul. Thursday then is my day off. So one of the first things I do on Wednesday when I leave around six is I turn the email off. So mm. I won't see my email on Thursday. Um, until Friday morning, um, because that won't distract me from something else. So I really try to give that day to my family. Um, gotcha. So things around the house, errands around the house, stuff like that. Um, Christine and I, you know, since the kids are in school uh, most of the time, not in the summers, uh, that's a day for us to go get things done or just yeah. enjoy. You get know, lunch. Get lunch together, enjoy just our relationship and the blessings of that, but also talking about each other's spiritual life. How are we growing? So those things haven't changed, honestly, in 20-some years. That wow. rhythm has kind of still been in existence, and, um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for accountability to that because, to be honest, once that goes, if, the, if that begins to come out of my life, then the dynamic of what I'm able to bring the people of God I'm called to help shepherd will dissipate. It will yeah. go away. So, Well, Mark, thanks for sharing uh, just 
all the knowledge you have about rest because being here nine years, I, I can attest you, you don't just talk about it, you walk it out and it's real and it, it's, it oozes out of you and it helps us really trust that you really are following Jesus and we um, too should follow Jesus the way that you do. Yeah, and I'll say one more thing before our next episode. That is, um, anybody that does experience it knows we all have so much more to learn. So you just kind of start and you grow. And when you fall down, you get up. Um, when you fail, you start again immediately. You just kind of continue to move through it. And everybody that's tasted the Lord and knows that he's good wants more of yep. that. And that's what happens. It becomes a blessing. So I'm not an expert. I'm not the person that's right. sitting here going, just follow me. Is this perfect? But I am a person who's hyperactive in mind and body mm-hmm. that the Lord's been gracious enough to say, here's how you slow down. And if I can do it, anybody can Amen. by God's grace. Thanks, Mark. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If there's anything we can do to help you along your own journey with Christ, if you have a lot of questions, we would love to hear from you. You can, again, reach out at deeplight at pcpc.org. Thanks for watching and listening. Thanks, Mark. Day. Thank you for listening to the Deep Light podcast from Park City's Presbyterian Church. We would love for you to be our guest this Sunday morning as we gather together for worship at 8, 9.30, or 11 a.m. We are located in the Uptown Dallas area at the corner of Oaklawn Avenue and Wycliffe Avenue. To find out more, please visit pcpc.org.